SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after on a Thursday right here on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. In this second hour, we go across the sports landscape. A prop perspective for this Thursday night from Tom Vecchio from FanDuel coming up in our next segment. We get an update on the latest as it pertains to the Major League Baseball lockout. It was supposed to be spring training already. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report. Spring, hope springs eternal. Not right now in Major League Baseball. And then the perspective from the Pelicans in New Orleans from Aaron Summers and some news on Zion Williamson and maybe some of Aaron's thoughts on the New Orleans Saints heading into next season, an uncertain time for that New Orleans organization so as we start off this second hour though it is time to discuss the Chicago Bulls I'm wearing a red shirt and I am seeing red at the moment as the Bulls are as well they have now won five straight games they improved to 23 and 8 straight up at home inside the United Center beating the Kings last night 125 118 Chicago covering as a six-point home favorite as well their ATS mark at home 21 and 10 against the number this year inside the United Center. That is the best ATS home record in all of the NBA. And the reason Chicago is playing so well at the moment, well, that would be one DeMar DeRozan, who is doing things now on a historic rate. 38 points for DeMar on 16 of 27 from the field. He only attempted one three-pointer. Two nights ago, he scored 40 points and didn't attempt a single three. The efficiency that DeMar DeRozan is scoring at right now is bonkers, especially in today's modern NBA where the three ball dominates. Only one three last night was 16 of 27 in his field goal shooting percentage and finished with 38 points. His seventh straight game with 35 points or more. And I mentioned history for DeMar DeRozan. And any time you break a Wilt Chamberlain record, you are doing something very, very right in the history of the NBA because seven straight games now for DeMar, scoring 35 or more points while shooting 50% or better from the field. That breaks a Wilt Chamberlain record. He set twice six straight games with 35 or more shooting 50% or better. DeMar has now done that in seven, a new NBA record. DeMar DeRozan has also scored 30 or more in eight straight games for Chicago. The first time a Bulls player has done that since, yes, you guessed it, back in 96-97, the last dance for Michael Jordan, when he scored eight straight games of 30 or more points. So DeMar DeRozan is doing things on a bonkers level right now. And again, the efficiency is truly mind-boggling. 38 points, 16 of 27, only one three-pointer attempted last night, which he made by the way no three-pointers attempted a couple of nights back and he posted 40 points scoring 19 of those 40 in the fourth quarter leads the NBA in fourth quarter points so far this season and it's not just DeMar DeRozan Nikola Vucevic has been great for the Bulls as well 21 points 10 boards a double-double last night once again his ninth double-double for Vooch 
in the last 11 games. And now Chicago sits atop the Eastern Conference, a half-game lead over the Miami Heat. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of TMA on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens, seeing red at the moment for the Chicago Bulls. Now the leaders in the Eastern Conference standings. A half-game lead currently over the Miami Heat, who are in Charlotte tonight to take on the Hornets. Miami, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite against a Hornets team that has lost eight of their last nine games, only covering twice in that nine-game span. Miami, meanwhile, had a five-game win streak snapped the other night at home against the Dallas Mavericks, losing as a five-and-a-half-point favorite outright, 107-99. But prior to that, they had covered in four of their last five. And on the road this year, Miami has been very good against the number. 19-13 and 13 against the spread. Now, these two teams, some of the highest over percentages all year long in the NBA, but the Heat now four of their last six games under the total tonight, currently at 224 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's get that updated line now, 224 and a hook on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So Miami under in four of their last six. The Charlotte Hornets over in three straight, but they have been on some streaks here. That was a six-game under streak prior to this three-game over streak. Prior to that, another three-game over streak. And prior to that, four straight unders for the Charlotte Hornets. A very streaky team as it pertains to their totals and also just winning basketball games outright. Again, eight of last nine for Charlotte have been losses, and that would also be 10 of their last 12. So a big game tonight for the Miami Heat on the road, laying four and a half, 19 and 13 ATS as a road team this year, which leads us back to the conversation around the Eastern Conference because the Bulls, a half game lead atop the Eastern Conference standings, the Heat trail by that half game, but both Miami and Chicago, not even the three best odds currently to win the Eastern Conference. That would be the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers, the Bucks and the Nets, or the Bucks and the Sixers rather, play tonight. But Miami, plus 550 certainly some value there Chicago the sixth best odds to win the Eastern Conference title at 15 to 1 the Celtics 11 to 1 the fifth best price Boston a nine game winning streak snapped last night at home against the Detroit Pistons value in a very competitive Eastern Conference value in the prop market up next with Tom Vecchio here on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com One of the best prop handicappers in the business joins us here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, and that wonderful prop handicapper is FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. Joining the show once again now on a Thursday morning. Tom, thank you very much for joining us here on a Thursday. I look forward to breaking down tonight's NBA and NHL slate with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're coming up to the end of the first half of the season for the NBA All-Star break this weekend. We still have plenty of hockey to get to. Obviously, college basketball coming up to at least the most exciting part of the year for me. This is when I get involved, so I'm ready to go. Tom, if you need any tips in college basketball, because I've been following all year, I can help because you give us so much great advice 
here in the NBA, NHL, and NFL, and Major League Baseball as well when we hopefully get to that time. So as we look at the NBA right now, Tom, I'm sure a lot of people are starting to pay attention to basketball in earnest for the first time this season. As you approach a prop board on any given night in the association, where are some of the first places you look? Well, I'll always look to some of the easiest defensive matchups, but I'll also be looking to players that are streaking in either you know direction, either good or bad, where we see these players get on these hot streaks where you know they'll hit the over on a prop, whether you know points, rebounds, assist prop, whatever it might be. They'll hit the over, you know, seven out of eight yep. games, and then they cool off and they're you know missing it in five out of their next six games. So when you're looking for props or teams or just identifying some trend, you want to kind of jump on board with a team or a player that's hot at the points. You know, you're jumping in on and then identify when they're cold and then jump off and move to the next player because a player's line could be sitting at four and a half for rebounds and they're consistently picking up seven, eight, nine, and then that line moves to six and a half and that's when you want to jump off. So this is a very interesting time of the year for NBA props and, you know, just betting lines overall. So, Tom, let's use DeMar DeRozan as an example because he has scored 35 or more points in now seven straight games for the Chicago Bulls. Last night, his points prop was up there at 31 and a half, but he still cleared that number once again. So when you talk about riding the trend and finding that right time, how would you use DeMar's points prop as an example? Well, we'd start off with the fact that Zach Levine is not there for the Chicago Bulls. He's been dealing with some injuries. There's a back injury. It's a knee injury now. And just the volume of shots should be there for DeRozan because on top of Levine not being there, there's also no Lonzo Ball. So we see DeRozan being the primary ball handler for them, the primary shot taker for them. And I know you just talked about them. And as I've said before about DeRozan, he's the monster of the mid-range for Chicago dominating this year. So when we identify the extra opportunities for him simply due to you know, the volume of shots for Zach Levine just simply not being in the offense, that creates so much more opportunity. And then when a player like DeRozan gets hot, this is a spot that we can go back to him time and time again. So you want to be factoring in the injuries, the potential opportunities for him on a given night, and then, you know, ride that trend. We really have to start capitalizing on the monster of the mid-range billing that we ha- that you have for DeMar DeRozan. We should print some shirts right now because he has made history in the NBA. 35 or more points in seven straight in all seven of those games, shooting 50% or better from the field. Last night, Tom, 16 of 27 from the floor, only took one three. Truly the monster of the mid-range. Let's talk some licensing deals after we get off here in the commercial break. But as we look to tonight's slate, Tom, one of the best games up, the Sixers and the Bucks. We have Joel Embiid on one side, the NBA MVP frontrunner, and Giannis Antetokounmpo on the other side, the second best price to be the NBA MVP. Giannis coming off a night where he had 50 in 14 a couple of nights back against the Pacers. Joel Embiid only 19-9 and two nights ago against the Celtics, but before that had scored 25 or more in 23 straight. Any feels about the prop market for Milwaukee and Philadelphia tonight? So this matchup overall, it's got a six and a half point spread, if I remember correctly. I think that's a little bit much. You know, we did see the Sixers get blown out by, what was it, 35, 40 points the other night going up against the Celtics. So I think we have to take Embiid's line with a a bit of a grain of salt because he only played 26 minutes in that game. You know, massive blowout. He was just sitting at the end of it. The six and a half points, I think, is a little bit much. We'd expect the 76ers to bounce back. So I would be willing to take the 76ers at six and a half. I'd almost be willing to look to some of the secondary options in this game, whether it be a Bobby Portis, you know, Chris Middleton, Tyrese Maxey, because 
it's not like Embiid and uh, you know Tendakumba are going to be putting up 100 points by themselves. Although I'm not going to put it past them. But seeing you know 28 points from one of these players, adding in some rebounds, is a spot that I'd certainly be willing to look. Chris Middleton can always get hot from three. So the secondary options often have, I would say, slightly softer lines. And that's generally the spot I like to go. You know, tonight's slate, at least to start, there weren't a whole lot of uh, player props out there there, but Bam Adebayo is in a fantastic spot going up against the Hornets. Uh, they are now the fastest team in the league and off to pace. Miami super slow. And then Andre Drummond now on the Nets playing a new role for them, mm. uh, also in a great matchup going up against Washington, two teams that are very weak against center. So once those lines are posted, that's probably the spot I'll be going. Yeah, Tom, I was going to ask you about the Brooklyn Nets right now. The new look Nets still without Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving for the most part, and Kevin Durant that you look to the secondary market. I think that's a great lean for Andre Drummond. Seth Curry has scored 20 or more in his two games with Brooklyn. A great spot there. But elsewhere on the NBA board tonight, not a prop, but a total. Which game, Tom, and which way are you leaning on that over-under? That would be with the Dallas Mavericks visiting New Orleans Pelicans. The under 215 tonight, obviously, under is not the favorite thing for most people, but these are two of the heaviest under teams in the league. Dallas is 1938 and one when it comes to overs and unders this year. The Pelicans are 22, 34 and two. We also see both teams in the bottom 10 of the league in offensive pace, and we see Dallas as the fifth best team when it comes to defensive efficiency. They struggled in the early portion of the season, but since Christmas, they have really turned things around. So we're looking at two teams that play very slow, Dallas particularly strong on defense. Uh, you know, it's the last game before the All-Star break. I don't know if we're going to be coming out with a ton of injuries. So I like the under at 215. If you don't want to be taking the under because some people don't like that, uh, I understand it, but all the signs point to this just being a slower paced, like a 110, like 90 finish, and we're not seeing a whole lot of points. Yeah, two of the top four highest under percentages in the NBA. Nobody has more unders this year than the Dallas Mavericks. But not just the NBA. We go to the NHL on this Thursday evening as well. Tom, where are you spotting things in the prop market for hockey tonight? That starts with Alex Dabrinkit for the Chicago Blackhawks to score goals, sitting at plus 142. And we all know Chicago's not a good team this year. They're actually one of the worst offensive teams in the league. But they have a huge plus matchup for them going up against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are dead last in the league, allowing 3.33 uh, goals per 60 minutes in 5v5 situations. That's dead last in the league. We do see Dabrinkit leading Chicago in goals this year. He's on the first forward line, the first power play. Mm -hmm. So the plus money on Dabrinkit, who has two goals in his last three games this side of the All-Star break, is clearly too good to pass up. Yes, Chicago, terrible offense, but they're going up against the league's worst defense. So we clearly want to be taking advantage of that. I think it's a very clear spot despite a bad offense. Now, another prop we could be going to would be Lucas Raymond for the Detroit Red Wings over two and a half shots on goal. It's sitting at plus 142. And we have a loaded slate. We have the Penguins. We have the Toronto Maple Leafs. We have the Washington Capitals. So why am I not going to Sidney Crosby or Austin Matthews or Alexander Ovechkin? Well, we look to the matchup for the Red Wings, and it's actually a really good one in terms of potential shots for them. They are going up against the Rangers, who are one of the better defensive teams in the league, you know, specifically because Igor Shesterkin in net. But Raymond comes in hitting the over on two and a half with uh, six of his last 10 games. And the Rangers are the fifth worst team in the league when it comes to the most shot attempts allowed per game uh, in 5v5 situations. So they have a super strong defense in terms of goals allowed. They're actually just allowing a ton of shot attempts. So the plus money on Raymond over two and a half, first forward line, first power play duty is at uh, plus 142. I'll certainly be taking that. 
two hockey props, both with plus money at plus 142. Tom Vecchio finding those spots for you in the NHL and the NBA tonight, the final night of the association until we get to the all-star break in Cleveland, Ohio as well. Tom Vecchio from FanDuel, the prop perspective as always. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Tom was out in Scottsdale. The WM Phoenix Open reports that he was throwing all the beer on the green at 16. I think those are pretty true as well. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It might be the middle of February and spring is on the horizon, or at least we thought that was going to be the case in Major League Baseball. An update to the Major League Baseball lockout right now on the morning after on a Thursday right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Yesterday was the official start of spring training for all 30 clubs, or at least it was supposed to be the start of Major League Baseball spring training for everybody well that has not happened and now we are in our 78th day of a lockout for major league baseball and what is the latest update we will find out from burt murray a national major league baseball writer for fans cited in just a couple of moments i think we're working through a few technical issues right now here on the grid so as we await burt to hear all the latest about major league baseball we had Hopefully, spring training starting for all 30 clubs yesterday. Two days ago, we were supposed to have pitchers and catchers reporting across the league. Hope spring's eternal, right? Well, not right now in Major League Baseball. The owners on one side, the players and the association on the other side. And now to help us cipher through this mess, it is Burt Murray, a national national MLB writer for fan sided joining the morning after Bert, thank you so much for taking the time on a thursday you're in scottsdale where a lot of major league baseball was supposed to be in the coming weeks and right now pretty empty out there yeah it's absolutely brutal like you're fully expecting spring training baseball all over the place and yet we don't have any of that and we're 78 days into this lockout and 78 days honestly feels like a lifetime so i'm hoping we have a deal soon but i'm not optimistic at all Yeah, so spring training now officially delayed. The start of that was supposed to be yesterday. Two days ago, it was supposed to be the first day for pitchers and catchers reporting. So, Bert, what is the latest in terms of the negotiations between the owners and the Players Association? Yeah, every every report you hear from people who are involved is that no deal is close. They're meeting tomorrow, um, or they're actually meeting today at 1 o'clock in New York. and the players association is going to make a proposal to the owners and they're hoping to at least bridge the gap a little bit, but that gap right now is pretty significant and there is not much optimism. We're going to have a deal anytime in the near future. Um, and we're at the point now, probably in the next couple of weeks where there's a very realistic possibility that we're going to start missing some regular season games. Maybe they can like find creative ways to make up those games during the season, but um, I would say 162 game season is in serious jeopardy at this point. And um, from everybody you talk to in Major League Baseball, it looks like we could have like a May or even a June 
um, start to the regular season. Oh, that was not yeah, what I was hoping good. to hear, Bert. But you say there the two sides are pretty far off. What are some of the key issues in terms of what is keeping a deal from being done and an end to the lockout? Yeah, like from both sides, like for the players especially, they want to have more competition. Uh, they don't want teams to be incentivized by tanking. Um, you hear the players want to hit free agency sooner um, rather than what, there are, what, what they are now because they have to wait six to seven years to hit free agency. And by that point, most of them are out of their primes. And even if for a guy who's a career minor leaguer, that would mean getting to free agency in their late 30s. Um, and that is mm. not that doesn't and that's not good for the player. And that, to me, is one of the key issues from the player's perspective. I talked to Kyle Freeland, a Colorado Rockies pitcher, about that, and he said, I got to protect my guys. That is a key issue. And ever since I ended up reporting what he said, I've heard from other players and agents who have echoed those same comments. Like, that is a very key issue. Um, and they also want to be paid more, too. And I hear a lot of people just, they're, they don't like hearing that answer because they think players are overpaid at this point. They're, um, but if we're being honest, there's not many of these guys who make $150, even $25 million. A lot of them are making the league minimum. Um, and these their careers don't last long. And when you're in Major League Baseball, you want to maximize your worth. Um, and their salaries have not gone up even as inflation has happened while these owners are making more money. So those are the three key issues, I think, that are preventing a deal, at least from the player's side. Um, the owners are going to want their own things too, but um, the players really want to come out on top on this, and they're going to have to sacrifice some things, but they're just nowhere close right now. So, Bert, you mentioned it. Spring training was supposed to start yesterday. A meeting today between the two sides. What is the expectation for how that meeting will take place? I would imagine there's going to be tension, and that tension has grown in recent meetings. Uh, we had Max Scherzer and Andrew Miller, who are both in the Players Association, uh, kind of confront some people on the uh, on, on the Major League Baseball side. I believe it was Dan Halem, uh, who works in the commissioner's office, about some key things. Um, and that tension is just going to continue to grow, I think. Um, and maybe that eventually results in one side budging. Uh, maybe it's the, the owners kind of conceding certain things. But I would expect there's going to be more negative reports than positive in the coming meetings. Um, and then we're going to eventually hear some progress. It's not what we want to hear, especially since spring training is supposed to start right now. But I, I seriously believe we're, we're going to end up probably hearing reports of progress by the end of the month. That doesn't mean a deal is going to be close, but any sign of progress is going to be a welcome thing in my book. So, Bert, now in the 78th day of the lockout, progress might be on the horizon. Do you think the two sides are any closer now in the 78th day than they were on the first day? If they're closer, uh, it's not by much. Uh, it's, they've agreed at least on certain things. Uh, like the universal DH is one. Like that's something Rob Manfred admitted in a recent pro or a recent press conference, which uh, that was the expectation going in. But a lot of these key issues, especially on the economic side, they're not close at all. Um, so if they are closer, it's not by much, which at this point in the season, that's not very or at this point in the offseason and even in the in the lockout, that's not a very welcome thing. So hopefully progress on the horizon. Burt Murray joining us here on the morning after a national Major League Baseball writer for Fansided, providing the latest 
on the MLB lockout that continues in to its 78th day. Spring training officially delayed. Regular season might be next. But Bert, let's say that progress does happen out of this meeting today over the next week or two. What would the timeline look like when a deal is done to have spring training, the ramp up, and then leading us in to regular season action? Yeah, it's going to end up being, as soon as a deal is reached, it's going to be a sprint to get to the spring training facilities. Um, you're going to end up having, it's it's not going to be instant games. It's going to be, first these players get in, they're going to have to get all the physicals done, they're going to have to get all their equipment done, and that's going to take some time. Um, and we're going to end up having these guys start to ramp up by throwing, I mean, they're throwing now on the side, but that you can't even, that's... That's not the same as being on a mound at the spring training complex under the watchful eyes of the coaches and trainers. Um, it's gonna. So let's let's say we end up having spring spring training starting by the end of February. Um, we're gonna end up looking at probably a four to five week spring training, and maybe we end up starting the season on time or at least somewhat close. Um, but we're not looking at it, it's we're not looking at that as a realistic possibility at this point. I don't think a deal is going to be reached mm. in the next two weeks. Um, I, I, I hate to sound as pessimistic as I am because I want to be optimistic. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, it's kind of hard to at this point, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at a, a, an extended absence here. I think it even, ex even further I mean, Bert, extended absence. They should say. Certainly so. I was hoping to have optimism as well. It was almost jokingly back when the lockout started like, yeah, they'll figure it out. They're going to take their winter vacations over the holiday time and they'll come back together. But now the pessimism seems to be reigning supreme across Major League Baseball. So when the season officially happens, when we are able to see games, we have odds up for the World Series champion on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And the favorites, unsurprisingly, the Dodgers at plus 600, followed by the Astros at 10 to 1. The White Sox, 11 to 1. The New York Mets with Max Scherzer, now a part of that pitching staff, 11 to 1. And then the Blue Jays and the Yankees at 12 to 1. So, Bert, once the season actually happens and players are on the diamond and games are happening for America's pastime, who are a couple of teams to keep an eye on, uh, an eye out on this season? Yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't start with the Dodgers here. They are going to enter the season, even as those odds say, as the favorites to win the World Series. And it would not surprise me as once this lockout ends, free agency is going to be just a, a sprint. Uh, we're going to see players sign left and right pretty quick. I would expect them to end up being in on some pretty significant players. Uh, Freddie Freeman was somebody that they were interested in before the lockout. I would not be surprised if they ended up pursuing Carlos Correa. That is one I'm going to keep an eye on I guess um I'm not saying that's going to happen by any means but like it would not surprise me if they were in on Correa and if you add Correa to that infield along with Trey Turner I mean that's even an upgrade over Corey Seager and Turner um I, I think that is definitely going to be a team to watch for sure Blue Jays are another one to me um I was tempted to say the White Sox just because they have so much talent and I mean young talent at least but the Blue Jays to me they they have the ability to take the next step uh, and they have the, like the talent on the roster. I know they ended up losing Robbie Ray in free agency, which is going to hurt along with Marcus Simeon, but um, I, I'm a believer in them, especially Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and, and some of their young guys. So I'll go with them. Um, yeah, those are definitely the two teams to watch for sure. 
I love the value on the Toronto Blue Jays, a young team that made leaps last year in the regular season as well. Burt Murray, a national MLB writer for Fansided, joining us today on the morning after. Hopefully the next time you're here, Burt, more optimism about the Major League Baseball lockout coming to a close. Thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully more optimism for sure. Hopefully so. More of the morning after up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Sirius XM Channel 159 is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. We are going to talk a little bit of football right now as we look at the future of the NFC and where things stand in that side of the NFL, in that conference. Of course, the LA Rams, the Super Bowl champions, just a few days ago and right now have the best odds to win Super Bowl 57 from teams hailing from the NFC. The Rams 12 to 1. The Rams also the favorites now on the FanDuel Sportsbook in a new market that just opened up over the last 36 hours or so. That would be the conference championships. And in the NFC, the Rams plus 450. Two teams tied for the second best odds, plus 600 for both the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, which leads to a conversation about the quarterback uncertainty that we have in the NFC moving forward into this next season. Of course, Tom Brady, for the time being, has retired from football, so that leaves a hole for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to fill. The Green Bay Packers situation may be also uncertain. Aaron Rodgers won his second straight NFL MVP last week in Los Angeles at the NFL Honors Show. He mentioned in that speech... He would be letting the Packers know soon what his future holds. We'll look at some made-up odds we have for that quarterback market here moving forward. But from Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Summers, we are joined now by Aaron Summers on the morning after on this Thursday. Aaron covering both the New Orleans Pelicans, and we'll get to some news for the Pels in just a moment, but also a reporter for the New Orleans Saints. So, Aaron, thank you for taking the time to join us here on TMA on a Thursday. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So as we look at the NFC next year, quarterback uncertainties all over the place, and that's the case for the Saints as well, who will be the starter next year in New Orleans under now new head coach Dennis Allen. Introduced last week, Aaron, what did you make of that introductory press conference for the new head man in New Orleans? I think that it was to be expected that Dennis Allen was going to be named the head coach. He fits the bill in a ton of different areas. He's done very well on the football field. Everybody around the organization has spoke so highly of him, his work ethic, his approach to the game. I literally just got off a call with Demario Davis and he was talking about how you have complete confidence every single day going into a game with Dennis Allen, because as long as you do your job, you know that you're gonna succeed because that's how good he is at game planning. When you have somebody like that who brings that type of dedication and the experience that he has to the game, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. And I enjoy listening to him during the press conference. He talked about, and he wants to bring the energy to this squad. We've seen it on the defensive side. It's going to be exciting to see how that can permeate across the rest of the team. Yeah, Dennis Allen, the six-year defensive coordinator the past six seasons under Sean Payton for New Orleans, a top 10 defense in both scoring and total defense each of the last two seasons. How important, Aaron, is your in your mind, is that consistency of keeping Dennis Allen now promoting him from defensive coordinator to head coach? Everybody here is very comfortable with him as a leader on the defensive side, and he has obviously had a track record of success, as you just mentioned. He knows the players, he knows the system, he knows the organization, and he knows the culture of the city. All of those things combined, they will breed success for this team. He said that he really wants this team to emulate the energy, the vibe of the city here. He wants the fans to be proud of what they're seeing on the field every day. And he continues to talk about that type of energy, the physicality that he wants to play with. And he is a part of developing that culture on this team under head coach Sean Payton. You know, he was brought back for a reason. They had a lot of faith in his abilities as a head coach. And he has continued to help develop the product that we've seen on the field for the Saints for a really long time. So if it's working, I, I don't see a reason why they needed to really go in and try to fix anything. So some cap issues for the Saints this offseason to figure out. The NFL draft is on the horizon. What does the rest of the offseason look like for New Orleans? Well, as it is with every team, once the Super Bowl is over, everybody really does take a break. The players are relaxing. They're taking a couple weeks off, and then they'll get back into their workouts, their routines to get ready for a new season. Outside of the players, for the team, the franchise, it's the combines coming up. You mentioned the NFL draft. Really trying to solidify your team that's going to be on the field for the upcoming season for the Saints. It, a lot of it has to do with who's going to be at quarterback dealing with the cap space and kind of trying to finagle some contracts of people that are here now trying to figure out where we can get some more money who we can keep and then who that guy is going to be leading this team on the offensive side there are a lot of options it is going to be a hot topic across the league for a lot of teams it's not just the saints that are dealing with this so it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun this offseason to see how some of these teams the quarterbacks everything shakes out yeah the saints right now 34 to 1 to win super bowl 57 17 to 1 to win the nfc championship as well Aaron in my opinion it's a very up in the air NFC South division I think some of that chaos could certainly help New Orleans moving forward but as you see with the flags behind her Aaron Summers joining the morning <laughs> after on this Thursday not just covering the New Orleans Saints but the New Orleans Pelicans and Aaron we got some news yesterday an update on Zion Williamson it is feared now he might have to have a second surgery on that right foot what's the latest with Zion so I think that the news that came out yesterday is a little bit of speculation. Everybody expected some news this week because Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations David Griffin mentioned in his post-trade deadline press conference that Zion Williamson, who has been continuing to work out in Portland, is going to have some more scans done at the end of this week or early next week. So people are anticipating something coming out. And so that starts people digging to try to figure out what that information may be. It's interesting because there is a lot of conflicting reports out, even from the same news entity saying that he is going to need surgery or he'll be back after the All-Star break. 
obviously nothing has been confirmed or reported by the team or Zion himself. And we are awaiting the scans to come back. Word from probably would be David Griffin again on how Zion's been progressing in Portland and the work that he's been putting in. All signs point to the fact that he wants to be with this team. He's excited about this team. And he was really, really excited about the pickup of CJ McCollum. Yeah, Aaron, you're around this team every day. Would you say you're optimistic that Zion Williamson could return to the court this season? Yeah, I would say that if everything goes well medically, then he will be with this team on the court this season. Obviously, it depends on how things have been progressing. It's been a slower ramp back up for him. He's had some complications over the last several months. The last time that we really heard anything was in December prior to this past week. So it's going to be interesting to see medically if he gets cleared and then how long it does take for him to really get back into playing shape. And we've seen it throughout the season with other players on this team. They miss a few days or week for injury, for COVID purposes. It does take a little while to get your legs back underneath you. Somebody who hasn't been on the court playing five on five for as long as he has may take a little bit longer. So, Aaron, the all-star break on the horizon for the Pelicans, but first, a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. What's the breakdown for tonight's matchup against the Mavs? Well, everything goes through Luka Doncic as far as the Mavs go, so he is going to be the point of focus, and for the Pelicans, it really it lies in ball containment. They have not been consistent on the defensive end, and that's really where they need to put their focus and their energy tonight to try to limit what the Mavs do. They're a very good team, and the Pelicans have been trying to figure out a way to find their rhythm with the change in personnel after the trade deadline, Mm -hmm. taking a few parts away and then adding a few players as well. It's going to be a slow process for everybody to get their bearings and figure out what each person likes to do, spacing, who likes to cut where. Even CJ said he's still not really got a handle on quite all of the plays, what things are called, and the schemes that the Pelicans like to run. So there's still a little bit of feeling out period here that's going on with the Pelicans, but we have seen what a really solid team can look like with that huge win that they had on Monday night over the Raptors. You mentioned CJ McCollum traded to New Orleans prior to the trade deadline last week. It makes sense. He needs to figure out his new bearings. He had been in Portland for all eight years of his NBA career. But Aaron, what has that addition been like for the team? It's been a lot of fun because you see somebody that is just an immediate offensive burst for your team. I mean, he is a bucket getter. That is what he does. And he really alleviates a lot of the pressure from Brandon Ingram, who had to carry that whole load without Zion Williamson on the court. And then Devontae Graham, who has been having a little bit of trouble from his offensive standpoint over the last three games. And they needed somebody that could come in here and really provide a spark for the offense. And that's exactly what McCollum has done. It is going to be a trade-off. Obviously, on the defensive end, you lose somebody like Josh Hart, who was so good defensively for some little more offense. But I think that you have to look at the big picture here and know that if you're going to make a play, you want to get into the play in they're right on the fringes. Now, then you need somebody that's going to be able to come in here and really help you offensively. Yeah. Aaron, you mentioned it 12 games under 500 right now for new Orleans, but despite the record, only a game and a half behind the Portland trailblazers for that 10th spot in the play in tournament. So what does the home stretch 
of this NBA season look like for New Orleans? Well, we've been on a six-game homestand here, and going into the All-Star break, I think it's been good to have the team here together to really try to develop some of that chemistry that we were talking about after the trade deadline. Then they're going to go into the All-Star break, get a little bit of time to get healthy, relax, step away from the game a little bit, and then come back in and really hit the ground running. By that time, CJ should be up to speed. He said himself it would take about five games for him Tonight will be and they'll come back. And I think that things will be a lot smoother as long as they were being able to bring it on both ends of the court. Hopefully some good news for the Pelicans after the All-Star break with the injury update on Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram playing great basketball and adding C.J. McCollum as well. Again, only a game and a half back behind Portland right now for that 10th and final spot in the play-in tournament. The All-Star break is this weekend in Cleveland. What are Aaron Summers' plans for this All-Star break weekend? I am going to be watching. We have our rookie, Herb Jones, who's competing in the event on Friday night with some of the other rookies. It's going to be a, a different... They're doing a three-game kind of round-robin little tournament thing going on, so it's going to be different, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him compete. He is more than deserving of that spot. He has been incredible to watch this season. And then, of course, our, our new acquisition and CJ McCollum is participating in three-point contest. So got to watch some of our Pelicans players and kind of take it all in. It's going to be a great All-Star weekend in Cleveland. Aaron Summers joining the morning after on this Thursday. Not just the Pels' perspective, but also some off-season questions for the New Orleans Saints as well. Moving forward, always looking forward to next NFL season. Aaron, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight between the Pelicans and the Mavs. Thanks. More of the morning after. Up to round out our number two just after the break here on Sports Grid, we guess the line. We look at some odds that might be moving in the NBA. Stay with us here on the morning after on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. A huge matchup tonight in the NBA in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The reigning NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks host the Philadelphia 76ers. A six and a half point spread in favor of Milwaukee against those Sixers. A huge game on the final night of the NBA heading into the All-Star break. Might the odds move at top of the Eastern Conference? We'll look at that right now and guess the line. So again, an update of that live line between Milwaukee and Philly tonight. Six and a half points in favor of the Bucks. A full preview of that game coming up in our third and final very happy hour. Even a look 
at the prop market for two of the biggest stars in the NBA in Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two favorites to win the NBA MVP. But they're also two of the three best odds right now are the Bucks and the Sixers to win the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee is the favorite on FanDuel at plus 260. Philly in that third spot, plus 330, 70, 70 cents behind Milwaukee and 30 cents behind the Buck or the Nets rather for that second spot. So based on this one game tonight, yes, it's just one game in the regular season in Milwaukee, but might we see the odds move in the Eastern Conference marketplace? And could it be a pretty vital time for those odds to move as we approach the all-star break we're nearing 60 games done for teams in the nba this is the home stretch where the playoff picture starts to iron itself out i think if milwaukee wins their odds become shorter to win the eastern conference i think the same could be said if the sixers pull off the upset outright as a six and a half point underdog tonight a preview of that game and plenty more action around the hardwood in our third and final very happy hour on the morning after up next on the other side of the break here on the grid